Hi, I'm Patrick Kagan, your host for Sales Hindsights, a conversation that combines my 30 plus years of experience with the expertise of my guests. And trust me, all of them will amaze you. Now, it's been said that hindsight is 2020 vision. So, my guests and I are charged with answering one thing for you. Knowing what we know now, what best practices and takeaways have the last 30 years in sales, sales management, executive leadership, and entrepreneurship provided to us that you can take with you. So enjoy the listen as we conversate for your growth. Okay, so thank you for tuning into our podcast, Sales Hindsights. Just by tuning in, you're already getting ahead in the process of self-improvement. And during our conversation, you're going to discover that we make sales make sense. But we go beyond that. We tackle issues dealing with management, leadership, team building, self-confidence, entrepreneurship, and yep, life itself. So our goal will be to make it all make sense. And we do it with a very practical and easy to understand approach. We try to give you those nuggets that you get to carry with you each day. And when life throws a challenge your way, you'll know what to do. You reach down in your pocket, you pull out that nugget, and you'll know what to do. Now, you're going to find that you like what you hear during the conversation. And when you do, I want you to go to our website, pksolutionsgroup.com, for all the resources you will ever need to become the best version of your own professional self. You'll also find a link to my calendar in the podcast show description. I want you to use that to set up your initial consultation with me. It's free, and the value you get from consulting with me is invaluable. So do it today and do it for you. And finally, thank you for all the likes, shares, and follows. It makes a huge difference, and it allows us to continue bringing you great content and great guests. Today, I'm joined by author Clint Arthur. Clint is the author of the Pulitzer Prize-nominated book, Wisdom of the Men. Clint, welcome to the show. Great to be with you, man. Hoo-yah. Hoo-yah. That's right. That's, that's a nod to my days in the Army. So to set this up for my listeners, I'm going to set it up with a couple of questions that Clint really will speak to. He's got a world of phenomenal experience about overcoming adversity, about finding what you need in life versus what you think you want. So here's some questions for my listeners. What if you could transform your life, transform your world to all you secretly believed it could be? Because Clint's done that. And what if you could get guidance from some of the world's greatest leaders, champions, and cultural icons? How different would your life be? Because Clint's done that. And I want you to imagine your life when you finally realize you have the ability to pull yourself out of those feelings of despair, frustration, and failure, and you create for yourself a world filled with wealth, health, and abundance. And if all that sounds like something that's a dream impossible, I'm here to introduce you to Clint Arthur, who's going to tell you that it's a dream that can come true. Clint, why don't you take it and just walk us through the wonders of your life and the experience you've had making those things happen. Think back to December 31st, 1999. Were you getting some Y2K cash out of an ATM? Were you partying with family and friends? I was behind the wheel of yellow cab number 6087 in Los Angeles, California, driving people to parties, 
helping people have fun. I was working on the millennium as a cab driver while everybody in the world was partying and having the time of their lives. And in the backseat of my cab that night were these two MBA interns at Goldman Sachs. I'm listening in on their conversation. Hey, man, did you hear about Mr. Carrera? They made him last partner right before the IPO and he cashed out a gazillion dollars. And I turn around and say, hey, man, are you talking about Chris Carrera? How do you know Mr. Carrera? Chris Carrera was a pledge in my fraternity at the Wharton Business School. When I was a pledge master, I used to make those little punks dance around the house with their tidy whities on top of their heads. And now this little kid just cashed out a gazillion dollars from the Goldman Sachs IPO. And I'm driving around until six o'clock in the morning. I pull the money out of my sock where I would hide it. $513. I was supposed to be somebody special. I should have been partying at the Rainbow Room with Chris Carrera the night instead of busting my ass driving mofos around to parties. That was like the culmination of 13 years of chasing the Hollywood dream and getting nowhere, getting nothing except a bloody forehead from smashing it up against the brick wall of Hollywood where they're not interested in discovering anybody. Nobody wants to work with nobodies in Hollywood. They want to work with Tom Cruise and Nicolas Cage and Harrison Ford and Madonna. They don't want to work with cab drivers. And I know you're thinking, well, that's great, you know, but I'm not interested in Hollywood. Hollywood is just a magnifying glass for every industry in the world. If you think people are excited to work with nobodies, if you think that your patient is happy that their doctor is a nobody instead of Dr. Oz, you're kidding yourself. They would much rather have Dr. Oz as their doctor. If you think that they'd rather have a home remodeler who's a nobody rather than the property brothers from hgtv you're kidding yourself everybody would rather have somebody because everybody loves somebody sometime (laughs) (laughs) and this is the lesson that i didn't understand see i had one job in 13 years in hollywood in the movie industry and that was as a production assistant sweeping floors and making cappuccinos on the set of Firebirds starring Nicolas Cage, Tommy Lee Jones, and Sean Young. I got that job because my girlfriend's father was the executive producer of the movie. And when he came to visit the set, he looks at me and he goes, hey, you know something? You're even better looking than Nicolas Cage. And I said, so how come I'm not the star of this movie? (laughs) And he said, because nobody would give me the money. The millions of dollars to make this movie if you were the star. See, it doesn't matter how good looking you are. It doesn't matter how great an actor you are. It really doesn't matter anything except one thing. Who are you? Mm -hmm. That's it. Who? You can imagine. Maybe I was a better actor than Tom Cruise. Let's just give me the benefit of the doubt. Tom Cruise, he's not the greatest actor in the world. Maybe on my best day, I could have been better than him, but I was nobody. I was a cab driver. And, you know, I chased that dream for 13 years. And I got to that New Year's Eve of the millennium, and I turned my pillow into a sponge that night, crying 
over the 13 years I had thrown away on a dream that never happened while all my fraternity brothers were becoming millionaires and some of them actual with a B billionaires. Two of them I know for sure. And I swore an oath to myself that day. I was never going to write again. I'd written 30 screenplays and 10 books. I said, screw it. What's the point? And who's, no, one, no one buys books. No one reads. No one reads my screenplays. Why did I write all these screenplays? No one's going to read them. I said, I'm never going to write again. I just want to make money. I want to have a life. I was desperate to pull myself out of that ditch that I had dug for my life. And I started going to seminars to transform who I was inside because I knew if my life was going to change, it was going to be me who was going to change my life. And I went to men's power circles and seminars. I went to study Toltec wisdom with Don Miguel Ruiz himself. I walked on fire with Tony Robbins himself. I did everything you could do. And sure enough, as I changed on the inside, my outer circumstances changed. I got out of driving cabs and I got into selling gourmet food. Started, I started making some money. As soon as I started making some money, of course, I met an amazing woman. And luckily for me, she loved me for me, not for my money. And she believed in me more than I believed in me. And she encouraged me to get into real estate. I started, I bought a fixer, then I bought a teardown, then I bought a vacant lot, then I bought two vacant lots. I built houses, I sold gourmet food. And throughout the 2000s, I got fat and happy. And in October of 2008, the world was melting down and I was officially 236 pounds, obese. I didn't realize I was obese. It took me a long time to realize that I had been obese. And I was at a men's self-help campfire. What's that look like? It looks like 18 naked guys dancing around a campfire. And I was one of them. I'm looking at the stars. I see a guy jump over the campfire. I noticed he was very hairy. And then I saw the shaman on the other side of the campfire pointing across the yellow and orange crackling flames. You don't know it yet, but you're already dead. What are you talking about, man? I am the most successful motherfucker on this men's team. I used to be a cab driver. Now I'm a millionaire and it only took me eight years to make that change. You're already dead. You just don't know it. <laughs> and I didn't know what that guy was talking about. I didn't, I, I had no clue, but I would wake up in the middle of the night out of sound sleep. I'm already dead. What does he mean? I'm already dead. What does he mean? And it came to be New Year's Day of 2009. And I asked myself a question inspired by the shaman at the campfire. I said, what? I don't know what that means to already be. I think I'm alive. But what if, what if I was going to be dead at the end of this year? What if this was going to be the last year of my life? What would I want to accomplish? And that really changed everything for me. Because the first thing I wrote down on my list of things I wanted to accomplish in the last year of my life was I have to write my book hadn't written anything in over eight years. I have to write my book about what I learned at the Wharton Business School that helped me to become successful as a businessman once I stopped trying to be a movie star and a writer. And I wrote that book in just eight days. I self-published it on Amazon and, and I waited for all the sales to roll in. And boy, did they ever. The first year, all eight of those sales rolled in. And I was lucky enough to... Be smart enough. You know, being smart, you don't have to be the, the biggest genius in the world. You have to be smart enough. I was lucky enough to be smart enough to know I needed to study how do you actually sell books. 
I found a mentor named Jack Canfield. I said, Jack, how do you sell half a billion with a B, chicken soup for the soul books? And he says, you got to be somebody kind of famous. You got to go on TV. You got to do radio. You got to do as much as you can to appear to be somebody because nobody buys books from nobody's. They only buy books from somebody's. Let me just pause you, let me pause you there real quick because you've hit on a, a tremendous amount of things. For one, I hear a lot of folks talk about pursuing their passions. And, and in today's day and age, that just seems like a glorified way of saying I want to quit my job. And what you were doing, you were pursuing your passion your entire life and you just weren't finding it. And I, what I like is you're, you're trying to climb that ladder in Hollywood until one day you realize that ladder is not leaning on anything solid. It's just balancing in the air and it could fall anytime. And I like the fact that you never stopped <clears throat> reinventing yourself or trying to find meaning within every single day. And I think that resonates with a lot of folks who are trying to run a small business, who are trying to start a small business, who are trying to succeed in their business life. And what I mean, it's it's tremendous that you have found your way to where you are. And I'm just wondering if there's any one point in your time of getting to where you are today where you actually lost faith in yourself and you had to find the way to get through that beyond you had a shaman saying you're you're dead already which is a wake-up call to what does that mean but were there any points where you just felt like i just want to give it up and i'll just take a regular job again driving that taxi doesn't sound so bad well that's because you haven't driven a taxi (laughs) okay i mean you got to understand i went to hollywood to become um a movie star. And I ended up behind the wheel of a cab after graduating from the number one business school in the world. Mm-hmm. I, I was a star my whole life up until I tried to become a star. Right. And I tell you what, man, there is nothing. One of my teachers in Hollywood was us. I took this guy's seminar, Robert McKee. He teaches story structure and screenwriting. And he says, you have to take your characters to the, to the negation of the negation. And somebody goes, well, can you give us an example? And he goes, well, let's say you're an actor and you come to Hollywood to become an Academy Award winning actor and you end up doing porn. That's the negation of the negation. Now, taxi driver is one step up from porn. (laughs) As far as being an actor in Hollywood, you gotta understand, like I went there for my ego and what I got handed was a shit sandwich. Yeah. And I was terrified that I was going to be stuck doing that for the rest of my life. That's why I got out. of. That's why I finally, after 13 years, gave it up and said, I got to start doing just something normal. I just want a normal life. Mm -hmm. I just want to make money. I want to get married and I want to have a house and I want to just be a normal person with a normal life. That's what I focused on for eight years. Mm -hmm. And you know what focusing on all that normal did? It made me dead without even knowing. And it took me decades to understand what the shaman actually meant. But what he meant was, unfortunately, I'm a writer. I am a writer. That's what I am. And unfortunately, if that's that's what I have to do, because I'll tell you, it ain't easy to sell books. It ain't easy to get people to pay you for being a writer. You got to really work hard to figure that out. And it has nothing to do with the quality of your of your writing, because what you're selling is not what people are buying. What people are buying is you, see? And when people ask me, do you resent the 13 years that you spent chasing a dream that never happened? I say, 
Not exactly, because it helped me to understand the most important thing in business, which is that who you are is 10,000 times more important than what you actually do or sell. Another person I've studied with is uh, Robert Kiyosaki. He says, I'm not the best writing author, but I am the best selling author. And you got to decide, you know, what what's important. Does selling matter to you? Some people are very not they don't care about selling. Like when I was when I was in Hollywood, people would say, you know, uh, how about how about the money? Are you making any money? And I would say, I don't even care about the money. I just want to work. I just want to have a career. That's that's real. I didn't care about the money. I was I was only focused on having a career. And what I didn't understand is that unless you're making money, you can't have a career. Unless you're making money, you won't be a writer for very long. I I stuck it out longer than any human being could possibly stick it out. Like I told you, I've had five hair replacement surgeries because I wanted to get it so it was good. There's no one else in the world who's had five hair replacement surgeries. None. Nobody. You know. <laughs> and I'm, I'm willing to go further than anybody is ever willing to go in pursuit of what I want. Yeah, nobody well, has the stick-to-itiveness or the passion for it that I do. And I made it 13 years. Yeah. And then I had to finally quit. Yeah, no, I think that's I think that's the really telling thing about you. And it's it's obvious in in talking to you and, and the people you've come you know across in your life, but you are willing to go further than anyone. You are literally the person who bets on himself. And you you have a vision of the outcome and you pursue it. And if it doesn't come, you keep figuring out ways to figure out that outcome, which I think is absolutely applicable to everybody in business and everybody trying to be in business. I mean, it's it's a phenomenal thing. Do you find? I mean, you know, everyone has their their, their everyone hits their rock bottom or everyone has their turning point. What's, Hopefully, yeah. What's the best point? Well, if they if they haven't, then they will. You know, um, but what's the best time for people to decide? Hey, I need to make a change. You know, I want to be like Clint. Like I. I'm on a road to somewhere, but it's not where I want to go. It's not a road to nowhere, but it's a road to somewhere, but I want to go the other way. Like, what's, what are the telltale signs? It's time to make a change or time to explore a change or maybe time to go to that shaman. The time to start doing work on you is 20 years ago. That's when you should have started. Right. The second best time to start working on you is today. When I met President Jimmy Carter. Very inspiring man. And I know a lot of people get bogged down in the stupidity of politics. You know, I've, I've had the great privilege to meet five presidents of the United States in person. And there's photographs of me and each of them in my book, What the uh, Wisdom of the Men. OK, in Wisdom of the Men is about all the smartest men that I've met who also happen to be international superstars and presidents of the United States. And what did I learn from them? And a lot of people are stupid and they get bogged down in politics. Jimmy Carter, he said, look, if you don't like the man or woman that you have been, you can start being a new person right now. Just make up your mind to start being the new version of you that you want to be. That's an amazing message. Yeah. And that comes from self-help work, man. You know, if you think that you learned everything you need to know in high school or in college, again, you're being foolish because you don't really learn all that much. I used to think when I was, when I graduated from high school, I thought I was 
I knew everything. When I graduated from college, from the Wharton Business School, I thought I knew everything. Now I'm 57 years old and I realize I don't know everything. I know a lot about what I know. I know a lot about marketing yourself as an author, a speaker, a coach, a consultant, advisor, an expert. But that's a tiny percentage of the world. You know, if you're one of those people, you probably have a lot of friends like that on Facebook. But when you go out to the whole world, we're not a lot. We're just a tiny, tiny percentage of of the population. And what you need to do, I, I know how you how you need to market yourself if you're one of those people like Tony Robbins. He, you know, Tony Robbins is one of those people. He's an author, a speaker, a coach, a consultant, advisor, an expert. And you probably think he's pretty famous. Well, I could show you video after video after video of Starbucks baristas and bank tellers and CBS store clerks. And I say, what do you think of Tony Robbins? And they say, Tony who? They've never heard of him. They've never heard of Tony Robbins. Right. In our little world, he's a god, but he's a god to us. Mm-hmm. And that's what I know about. How do you get to be a high-priced consultant, expert, advisor, coach, speaker, author? How do you get to be one of those people who makes a lot of money? If you want to know about that, that I know a lot about. But I don't know a lot about everything. I just know about the little piece that I know about. And I'm lucky enough to have realized that. And another thing that I've realized in the process of learning about being a coach is that all the best people have coaches. Michael Jordan has a coach. Tiger Woods has a coach. Uh, all the top people have coaches. And you got to have coaches. you got to have – you got to do work on you. And you need to be working on you constantly because it's a – never-ending process of improvement and I'm, and I'm constantly working on myself too. Yeah, I love that. I, I mean, I have a, a few coaches and because it's for different areas that of my life and I think what I, you know, when I think of a coach, I think of somebody who does the research on how to improve me when I don't have the time to do it and then it pushes me to challenge myself to let myself accomplish those things and that they don't do it for me but they do show me the way. They do show me the possibility. They do let me experience that it could be something for me. And I think that you know, coaching is is an invaluable uh, resource that's widely available to everybody. Now, in your book, the wisdom of the men, uh, you know, you, you talk about the, the 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 icons you've met, the international icons, the five presidents. Tell us some of the some of the folks you've met and and learned from along the way, and the, maybe the one nugget or two nuggets that they. They put in your pocket and you carried with to others. Hey, man, you know, it's called Wisdom of the Men, but there are special appearances by Caitlyn Jenner, Hillary Clinton, Suzanne Somers, Martha Stewart and Oprah Winfrey. Five yeah. women. And, and my wife is in there, but she's not, you know, my wife is not a name like these people are. Right. Right. So I said to Oprah, what's the most important thing you ever learned without a moment of hesitation? She said, you are responsible for your own success without a moment of hesitation. And. That is probably one of the biggest themes in the whole book is that it's up to you to make it happen. And if, especially if you're a writer or an expert of any kind, it's entirely up to you to figure out how you're going to make money. Now, there's a different variety of coach, and that's called a mentor. It's different than a coach. See, coach, a coach has not necessarily accomplished what you want to accomplish, He's good or she is good at motivating you to take action, hopefully. 
But that doesn't mean that they've been to the moon. If you're wanting to go to the moon, there's very few mentors who've been to the moon who can be your mentor on that. But, you know, the job of a mentor is to help you to do what they've already done. Uh, and luckily, I've been very smart about investing in mentors. I talked about Jack Canfield, another mentor that I've really invested and studied a lot with is Dan Kennedy. And, you know, when I was on the Today Show, Brooke Shields and Willie Geist interviewed me on that show. And Willie Geist goes, hey, you know, you talk about climbing to the top of Mount Everest, but how do you keep from falling off track? And I said, invest in mentors that I've invested so much money, which has allowed me to accomplish as much as I have as quickly as I have. And uh, they also asked me the question, uh, you, you know, you ask yourself a question every year. What's that question? And I said, on New Year's Eve or New Year's Day, ask yourself if this was going to be the last year of your life, what would you want to accomplish? Because that has been a superpower that has helped me to achieve and break through the fear, procrastination, and doubt. Live this life as if it was going to be the last year of your life. I wrote a book about it. It's on Amazon, The Last Year of Your Life. If you want to live your life, you know, and go through the process, 52 weeks of no fear, no procrastination, no self-doubt, just going for it. Live as if you're going to die. And... Brooke Shields goes, wow, that sounds scary. And I said, it is scary. And when it's scary is when it's great. Mm -hmm. And that's been another lesson that I've had to learn a lot. I, you know, we when we were talking before this interview started, I, I told you that I was going to lead an event at West Point Military Academy called the West Point Leadership Speakers Academy. And I had Buzz Aldrin, a West Point graduate, and General Russell Honoré, who evacuated New Orleans after Hurricane Katrina, as two of my speakers who, and trainers who were going to train us on how to be a leader, how to speak like a leader. And 26 days before the event, I get a call from the brass at West Point. Uh, sorry, we know it's going to be really hard for you, but your event is canceled. And despite the fact that the top brass at West Point Military Academy told me that I could not do the event. I did the event at West Point with Buzz Aldrin and General Honoré. How did I make that happen? I'm not 100% sure, but I'll tell you what. My theme song I set as my alarm on my phone for those days was What Doesn't Kill You Makes You Stronger. Mm -hmm. And I had another, another one called Unstoppable. I'm a Porsche with no brakes. Those are my two songs, the theme songs from that event. Unstoppable. People try to stop me from doing all kinds of things. And what was the big takeaway? Well, it was amazing. You know, we had two celebrity speakers, an Army general and an Apollo astronaut. And you know what the both of them said? You know what the theme of both of those speakers was? I said, Buzz, what is the most important thing you ever learn? He said, nothing is impossible. Yeah. That's the big theme, man. That's the big lesson. I think today, after what I've learned, the three big takeaways from my book. And, of course, this is just the cliff notes right here. But you are responsible for your own success. Who you are is more important than what you actually do or sell. And impossible is really just a barrier to entry that keeps the chumps from even trying because nothing is impossible. Yeah. And that's, that's really, I mean, such an important message that should resonate with everybody, all three of those takeaways, but especially the fact that impossible 
is just, it's a self-imposed limitation or barrier. And we tend to make it really fortified, really big. And people can tell you all the reasons why something can't happen, won't happen. They've tried it all. They've done this all. And it's a lot of excuses. And I think, I think, you know, that's, that's the thing is that if, if nothing else comes out of this conversation, listening to you, uh, it's an inspiration because you just, you made a choice and you continued making a choice that you, that better would be yours. One way or another, better would be yours, whether it's going full circle to become the writer again, whether it's, you know, conversing with, with presidents and extracting some knowledge from them, or whether it's, it's giving your speech at West Point when they're telling you no, and you just know was not in your vocabulary. Uh, but I think, you know, who you are, more important than what you do, what you sell is is a, a constant theme. And, you know, for those in business, it's important to remember, you know, it's better to be kind than to be right. It's better to be a better person than to think about the product you sell or the profits you're trying to make. Those are really, really important lessons. Uh, before we wrap it up, is there any one person in all your travels that stands out the most that you want to share a, a story with our audience before we, we find out where we can get more information about you? At one of the Dan Kennedy seminars that I attended, I finally got sick of not accomplishing one of my big goals. One of my big goals was I, I had other mentors and they would say, they would say, uh, I've had the great privilege of sharing my message on the same stage as Richard Branson and Dalai Lama at great corporations like GE, Accenture and Amazon. Dan Kennedy himself would always say, when I was speaking in the arenas, with Colin Powell and General Schwarzkopf and George Bush and Donald Trump. And I, in my studies of all this science of how do you be someone, I identified those two statements that I just made for you. And I called them what I call a million dollar positioning statement. A speaker will very frequently, any good speaker is going to have a million dollar positioning statement that positions them as somebody special just from what they've done. And I wanted one of those. And in working to have one of those, I came up with this idea that I want to be a speaker at Harvard. And one of my mentors said, hey, he was teaching a class on how to be a college speaker. That's where I came up with this idea of wanting to be a speaker at Harvard. And he goes, hey, if you want to speak at a college, just rent a room and be a speaker. Okay, great. But how do you have an audience? And long story short, I put together my own thought leader conference at Harvard. And in order to make it even better, I hired a celebrity with a very recognizable face to come and take pictures with everybody. The celebrity I paid five figures to was the most interesting man in the world from the Dos Equis beer commercials. And I interviewed him. That interview is one of the many bonus videos that you get when you invest your hard-earned ducats in Wisdom of the Men, either as a Kindle or as an Audible. The Audible is really good. I voice the Audible myself. If you've enjoyed this podcast, you'll definitely enjoy the Audible or the hardcover. Any one of those, you get the bonus videos of me interviewing the most interesting man in the world, Dr. Oz, Suzanne Summers, Caitlyn Jenner, Dog the Bounty Hunter, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And when I interviewed the most interesting man in the world, he told us the story of how he became the most interesting man in the world, how I went to the auditions and all these guys were basically better looking, younger versions of myself. How was I going to compete with all of that? And I realized 
that I needed to stand out. And what I did was I took off one of my socks and I went into the audition with two shoes, but one sock. And this way, if the casting people were discussing anybody, they could always know exactly who I was because I was the guy who only had one sock, two shoes, but one sock. And that's how I stood out. And that's how I got to be the most interesting man in the world, making millions of dollars on an exclusive contract with Dos Equis Beer for eight years. And that was a truly fascinating thing that really elucidated a very important concept that being better, that's subjective. Being different, that's objective. And it is more important to be different than it is to be better. The best way to be different and better is to be a celebrity in the eyes of your customers and prospects like Tom, Tony Robbins, like Grant Cardone, like me and like all of my students. That's what we're really pursuing is different levels of celebrity. You don't have to be Tony Robbins. That's the amazing thing. What I can tell you, my brothers and sisters, is that you don't even need to be a hundred, one hundredth of what Tony Robbins is, because I am not Tony Robbins. I am far less well-known than him. I'm nobody compared to him, but I've made millions of dollars yeah. as an author and a speaker and a coach, yeah. even though I'm really nobody, but I have created this perception of being somebody who is different than everybody else. And in some sense is better by being a celebrity entrepreneur. Well, I think that, uh, I mean, that's the whole premise of the book that I wrote called Sell the Difference, The Power of Differentiation. And you don't have to be, like you said, Tony Robbins or, uh, you know, uh, any Oprah Winfrey or anybody, but in the pond within which you swim in the business world, you can be the biggest difference in that pond. And if you're different, different is better than best. And that's what you and I talked about prior to the to the podcast starting. And I think that's a really powerful message today that you've taken a different approach to the same goal, which was you wanted to build a wealth empire and, and build abundance and you did it and you found a way and you, you went on this journey and the journey's really still beginning. It isn't like it's over. It's still beginning and there's a long way to go, but you found ways to stick to the, uh, the invention of yourself, which I think is really an important thing in any business aspect. Clint, what's the best way for our for our listeners to, you know, for, number one, get your book, but to get more uh, advice or input from you? What's the best way to reach you? Okay, Wisdom of the Men on Amazon.com. Wisdom of the Men, you probably have to put my name in, Clint Arthur, for it to come up. Wisdom of the Men, Clint Arthur on Amazon. Or if you want to find out about attending any of my seminars or trainings at my villa in Acapulco, Mexico. It's really all the stuff I do combines vacation with work. We call it a workcation. And one of my big lessons that I've learned, and you read about it in the book or hear about it in the Audible, is that you need to be taking more vacations and longer vacations. And it cost me $50,000 to learn those lessons. <laughs> and you can hear why in the Audible or read it in the book. And that's why we have our events are generally six or seven day events at the villa in Acapulco. And you can find out more at Clint.com, C-L-I-N-T-T-T, three T's.com. Why three T's, Clint? Well, one of my 
expert students. She was a expert in the science of names. She called that nameology. And she said, I wish you could have an extra T at the end of your name, Clint, because the T's always end up on top. And, and I said, well, I can't get two T Clint dot com but i can get clint with three t's.com and i got it so now you have a nice easy way to remember how to find clint on the internet just go to clint with three t's.com that is awesome clint thanks again for your time today this has been a fantastic discussion i can't wait to dig into wisdom of the men so that's it for this time i hope you enjoyed listening to the conversation as much as i enjoyed participating in it Every person, every business needs some help. Take the first step in your own world. Go to the show description, use the link to my calendar, and set up your own one-on-one time with me, or go to pksolutionsgroup.com for all your bonus resources. We all have choices, and I'm here waiting when you finally choose a different way, a better way. Until then, let me leave you with some wisdom from one of my favorite musical groups, Rascal Flats. Simply put, my wish for you is that your life becomes all that you want it to be.